0: Tony from Adafruit and this is a quick look at Jupyter or IPython and these are really interesting tools that let you use Python in your web browser so in a notebook and it's something you might not have heard of or maybe you have heard of it and used it before. Um, It's used a lot in kind of the data analysis community uh, where you want to use like a lot of these Python libraries like NumPy and SciPy to really analyze interesting data sets But I was thinking, you know, it is a really useful just general Python tool, so it lets you run Python code, write Python code in your web browser, and it could work really well on a Raspberry Pi. In fact, it does work really well. And so I just wanted to show what Jupyter is, just give some basics uh, on how to run it on the Raspberry Pi and how you might want to use it yourself potentially if you're doing like Python code, especially things that like talk to hardware, you know, if you're trying to prototype some things or get some quick measurements and things like that uh it has some really interesting capabilities i think that might make it worth uh checking out yourself so let's just kind of dive in Um, we'll get started here so i'll go into the desktop view or the main view here and uh you can kind of see so in the upper right i just have this is the pi 3 uh it has the camera this is the same one i'm using for the cat laser project so i didn't want to take that apart Uh, But you can use any Raspberry Pi. It really doesn't matter. In fact, like the Pi Zero you could use. Uh, Although you probably want it to have network access. So I've got it connected to my network here because you will run something on your Pi and access it from a web browser on like your laptop or your computer. So you do want network access, but you could even use like the built-in Wi-Fi on the Pi 3. Uh, Anything should work there. And then just connected to it, I have, this is the MCP9808 uh, Precision Temperature Sensor. Real nice little low-cost I2C temperature sensor. uh, Nice accuracy on it. And I'm just using this as an example. So what I wanted to show is, you know, let's connect my Raspberry Pi with a Jupyter or an IPython notebook, and then graph some of the sensor data. So we'll read some of these sensor readings and graph that using the tools that it has. And I'll show you that you can do it all just using the web browser pretty much here, and it's uh, pretty straightforward. Now this web page here, this is the main homepage for the Jupyter project. And I'll put a link down below in the description. So when this is up on YouTube, you can look and see uh, the link directly to this. Uh, and just a little bit of history, so I'm not super familiar with Jupiter. Um, I am more familiar with, so IPython and Jupyter are the same thing, basically. So the last, I don't know, maybe two, three years ago, they kind of merged uh, the the projects together and just have, they renamed it to be Jupyter basically. So it started out as IPython, where I is just the uppercase I, IPython, uh, stands for interactive Python. And it started out not as a web thing at all. It was actually a little Python kind of uh, REPL, you might hear it called. So a read, evaluate, print loop, where you can just run this tool and you can run Python code interactively basically. So, you know, you could build up a data set and then maybe graph it. And it started out just as like command line kind of uh, tools, but over time they added what they call the notebook capability, which has really turned into like the star feature of this whole system. Uh, And that lets you, you have that same interactive Python shell but in a web browser so you type in your Python code into the web browser it'll make more sense when I start uh, showing some of the examples here and how to use it uh, but that was a, a pretty big and powerful thing and that now you know you don't need to be like some super command line expert you can run a tool uh, it's a little more visual and it really follows this notebook metaphor where you know think of like a scientist where maybe you're researching something And you're looking at like, you're running experiments, you're getting data, you're analyzing that data. And so you're building up all of this information that's probably scattered across like paper notes, you know, maybe electronic notes or something. So I think the whole idea here is that you've got actually like a web notebook where you put all of that information so you put your code that runs your experiment you put your code that graphs your data you put the code that analyzes the data you can put comments you can put you know descriptions and things like that so really powerful thing and that people have taken this and kind of run with it i mean i've seen like tutorials on how to learn programming uh, or learn like data analysis that are all just these ipython or these jupyter notebooks uh, and so I think you'll kind of see why this is interesting as we uh, play with it more, but that's what it is. So Jupiter, so if you hear IPython or if you hear Jupiter and you get confused, which it is a little confusing, they're the same thing because they kind of realize that this power isn't just for Python. So like it would be nice to have, you know, Ruby or other programming language. So you can kind of see here like all these different programming language icons. Uh, they all fall under this Jupiter kind of name and that jupiter is this concept of a programming notebook and then the languages that plug in could be anything so of course there's a python language and i think they actually still call that ipython but there's all kinds of other languages you can plug in too so you know stuff like it looks like php or javascript or lua or f sharp or whatever so really cool so they definitely want to take this beyond python so when you hear jupiter you don't necessarily have to think only python Uh, but it is something that works really well and has a lot of support for Python. And so that's why I think it works well with the Raspberry Pi, because a lot of the Pi coding that you do is probably going to be using Python, at least if you're using a lot of the hardware libraries that we have, they're written mostly in Python. So being able to use Python and looking at tools like this, I think is kind of interesting. So this is the homepage. It tells you a little bit about it. Um, Again, it kind of talks about, you know, here's the basic idea. You make these web notebooks and things and that you can put code inside of it. Uh, and then it kind of gives you some pointers here so you can like try it out uh, but we'll just get started so i'll show you how to install this on the raspberry pi because again it kind of runs you have to run this server that will then kind of serve your notebooks up and then anything on your network can go and access those uh, you could access it from your raspberry pi if you're in like the pi desktop but it's gonna be a little slow, like the Pi web browser, you know, is not the fastest thing in the world. So you'll probably have a little more uh, luck with it or, or be able to uh, you know, have be more usable if you're using your own web browser on a laptop or your uh, PC. So if you go to this, install the notebook page, it gives you a little bit of info about this. Um, so again, because this is coming more from like the data science world, Uh, It focuses a little more on those kind of users and how they use things. So it kind of dives in and says, hey, you probably wanna use like Anaconda to install this. And if you've never heard of Anaconda, that's a binary Python distribution. So basically you can install this and it it gives you Python, but then it gives you all of these extra tools on top of that, like all of the scientific computing stack that Python is becoming pretty famous for. Uh, So it's really easy, especially on Windows where, like compiling all these libraries is a very non-trivial process. Like you have to install the right version of Visual Studio. It's a mess, frankly. Uh, You really don't wanna compile Python code on Windows, which I think is unfortunate because boy, it's so much easier on Linux and Mac when you can compile this stuff. I think that stuff is changing. Anyways, long story short, Anaconda is how most Windows users use uh, IPython and Jupyter. Now remember, we're going to run this on the Pi. So even if you use Windows as your operating system, that's okay because we're just going to install uh, uh, IPython and Jupyter on the Raspberry Pi. And then from your Windows machine, you can use your any web browser or whatever to access this. So don't worry about it. You don't need Anaconda installed, uh, so we'll skip that. Then the next thing they say is for the experienced Python developer. So, hey, you're experienced because we're gonna use this option. Uh, You can use the pip tool to install this. So it installs just like a Python library. Now do notice they mentioned to use Python three. So they have pip three. And that's just because the current version of IPython or Jupyter, um, I believe is the last one for Python two. And so all future versions are gonna use Python three. Luckily for us, We've ported all of our Python libraries over to run on Python 3 and Python 2. So you should be okay to use Python 3. I mean, I think it's 2016, it's time to use uh, Python 3. So that's what I'm gonna use here. We'll use Python 3, but just be aware of that. Like, you know, if you just go in and if if you start using the pip command, that's gonna use Python 2. Um, Okay, so, but before we get started, so like I mentioned, because this uses Python 3, we just wanna make sure that we have Python 3 installed on the Raspberry Pi. Uh, So make sure you're running the latest version of Raspbian. The Jesse operating system is probably what you wanna use these days. Um, You know, Wheezy is pretty much deprecated. Uh, And then of course, first go in and do all the standard Raspberry config. Uh, that you want to do so like I'm connecting my Raspberry Pi this is an SSH uh, session right here so run the pi command expand your file system you know make sure you've got all the available space if you're gonna use hardware like some of the libraries like this little MCP sensor I know that I'd need to enable the I 2 C interface inside of here so do all that stuff and then you know of course it's gonna have you reboot um, but I'm not gonna change anything I already did that um, here. So then after you do that, you wanna do sudo apt-get update. So this will just update all of your packages. I'm gonna skip running this just because it downloads a bunch of data and that's really slow when I'm streaming, uh, but make sure to update your package index. And then now to install Python 3. So you wanna do apt-get install Python 3, Python 3, oops, let me get this right, Python 3-pip. So this installs the pip package manager for Python 3 because it's totally separate from Python 2. Uh, And then Python 3 dev. This installs all the headers that you need to compile Python extensions specifically for Python 3. Generally, if you're installing pip, you also probably want to install the Python 3 dev package because you're gonna run across some package that you need to compile code for, especially if you're using our hardware libraries. Uh, Almost all of them require compiling some code, Uh, but it's easy. Just install this Python 3 dev package and you're good. And then one more that's IPython or Jupyter specific, install python3-matplotlib. So this is the matplotlib library, which is what Python can use to make a graph of data. And I'll show you why, like we're gonna graph some sensor data. So you need to have this installed. Now there are other ways to install this. And unfortunately, so because I'm using apt-get, this is gonna use the Raspbian repository and the code that it has there, which is a little bit old, but it's it's, uh, new enough that we can use all the features we want but just be aware like this is going to install matplotlib 1.4 and i think the current version is 1.5 so if you want like the bleeding edge you know latest features then you probably need to go and like compile it and install it yourself um which isn't too hard i think you can actually just use pip to install it uh, but be aware, it might be a little more advanced. It's a lot easier to install things generally with uh, the apt-get uh, package manager here. So we'll, we'll do that. So I'll run this. I've already installed these, so it's just gonna say everything's uh, you know, the current version, but it's gonna run for a little while for you. And then after you've uh, run these commands, then you've got Python 3 installed and you're ready to go and you've got all the dependencies. So now to install the Jupyter package, uh, we just wanna run the command that they mentioned here. So pip3 install Jupyter. Now I'm gonna run sudo pip3 to, to run this as root just so I install it uh, globally. Uh, but it's, uh, you, you could go either way. You don't have to run this with sudo. It's just that uh, I'm not sure if, if you run this without sudo, it probably won't put this Jupyter command into your kind of main system path. And so you might run into some weird things. So I would just say, you know, use the sudo command, install this thing globally. So I'll run this uh, and it tells me I've already got it installed. But for you, it's gonna spin for a little while and install this thing. And it actually takes a little while to install it because it's, Compiling some stuff in the background, so it takes—I don't know—it took about five minutes or so to uh, do this installation. But once it's installed, then the way you use it, and they mention here in the installation or in the docs, now go into the running the notebook uh, section here, and so this mentions okay, you can use this Jupyter notebook command uh, to start it. Now, one big thing, and it's a little bit of a gotcha because, again, in that scientific computing community, most people are running Jupyter on the same machine as they're accessing the web interface from, but because we're going to run Jupyter on our Raspberry Pi and then access it from our machine on our network, we need to tell Jupyter, hey, make sure to allow people on my network to access the notebooks that you serve. And so by default it doesn't do that so if you just ran this jupyter notebook command you could only access it from a web browser on the raspberry pi which is probably not what you want um, but i'll show you there's an easy little command that you can give it or a parameter to say hey allow anyone to access this so what you want to do you want to run the jupyter command and then notebook so this is a sub command and you can actually run dash dash help and it will print out a little bit of uh kind of you know extra parameter info here so it tells you like you can specify an IP address that you want it to listen on, a specific port to listen on, you know that type of stuff, all kinds of little options here. Uh, but what we wanna do, we wanna run Jupyter notebook and then do dash dash IP. So we'll give it an IP address to listen on and set this equal to 0.0.0.0. So this means listen on any network interface basically. So allow connections from outside the Raspberry Pi to access this notebook. So we'll hit enter there and it takes a little bit of a second here, and then uh, it's going to start up, and so you should see something like this. Uh, and it's okay; it gives you this warning that no web browser is found. When it runs, it tries to open the web browser on your machine, because again, this comes from that scientific computing world where they're usually running it on the machine, but we're not doing that. There is a command line option to disable this. I noticed the dash dash no browser option, but it's kind of annoying. It's like I don't want to type that in. Yeah, I mean, sure, I could just to get rid of this warning, but it's not the end of the world. Part of me thinks like maybe it should just default to not open the web browser. And if I want that behavior, maybe I should give it a command line parameter, but I'm sure there's all kinds of legacy reasons for this. Anyways though, just make sure you don't see like an error or something like that. You know, It looks like it's running here. It is important to notice that it's telling me it's running the server on 0.0.0.0 port 8888. So uh, that's the special port that I need. Uh, And so this means that I can access my Raspberry Pi's IP address. And even though you see zero here, this just means it's listening on any network interface. Uh, but then, as long as I access the Raspberry Pi IP on this port, it'll serve up the interface for that. Uh, and so, for me, luckily, because my router will uh, look up the host name of my Raspberry Pi and resolve it to the IP address, I can actually just go in my web browser here to Raspberry Pi port 8888, so the colon 888848. And if I hit that, then here it is. So this is Jupyter running, um, and it's uh, not too fancy. I mean, you're basically seeing a web interface of um, your Raspberry Pi, and it's actually pretty cool. So, like I mentioned, I'd used IPython. You know, I'd used Jupyter before it was called Jupyter. So IPython, gosh, I probably started using it um, five, six years ago, a long time ago, because. At the time, there was really nothing else like it uh, as far as a data analysis tool. Just a really powerful thing. I mean, st- there still really isn't much like it, uh, even like commercial stuff. I'm really amazed. Like I think, um, gosh, I think MATLAB maybe has like a notebook concept kind of like this. But honestly, the Jupyter world is just so big. It's it's just taking over the whole uh, uh, data kind of analysis world. But anyways, though, so this this is cool. Like I haven't seen this uh, since I've started, you know, using this newer version of jupiter it's it looks like it gives you a view of the files on your raspberry pi like so i have a directory here and it's showing like i have some files in here i'm i'm guessing i can look at these things so yeah that's kind of cool like it's this is i mean maybe just a basic like file editor for your raspberry pi that's all uh web browser based so that's kind of cool i mean you might just play around and kick the tires and see uh what you can see here but i'm going to go back to the uh the home page here uh and so okay so the big thing with jupiter is that you create a notebook, like I was saying. So a notebook is a place where you can mix code and data. I mean, think of it like a physical notebook where you're writing things down, but this is a special notebook where you can write things down and you can have the computer run that code that you wrote down um, inside of there. So let's make a new notebook. We'll go to new and then we'll say uh, Python three notebook, because like I mentioned, remember this uses Python three. So you really need to use Python three kind of going forward with this. Um, and it just starts out and this is basically what a blank notebook looks like. So you can give it a title, uh, which we'll give it at the top up here. So we'll say uh, Jupiter test, maybe something like that. And the important thing to know is that, okay, so what's happening here, uh, Jupiter, so if, I mean, you can go back and actually see, it's telling me, hey, like someone's accessing it, it's giving me a little log here. And then it mentioned the kernel was started. And so what that means is that it's actually running Python in the background. And so if I put some code into this block right here, like let's say print hello world, something like that, uh, then it can actually take this and run this code with the Python process that it has running in the background, it calls that a kernel. Uh, And the way to run this code, so you can actually go, so when I, this is called a block where you can put like code and I'll show you there are other things you can do in a block or a cell actually, I think is what they call it. Uh, And inside of a cell, you can put code or you can put other things, Uh, now you can, when you type in code, and you can have multiple lines, so I'm in here, I can say print hello world, you know, print like second line, something like that um, inside of here. Now to, to actually run this code, so it's not just instantly running this code, like I hit enter, nothing's happening because it's not running that code yet. You need to explicitly say, okay, run this cell, and it's got a bunch of options, like you can run all these cells, I'll show you, you can have multiple cells, but just for the current selected one, we can say run cells. And then notice this okay cool so it just printed out hello world and second line so it it ran the code right here and then gave me the output of that command uh, below it so that's pretty cool i mean like you could write an entire python program and then just run it inside of here um, if you wanted now you can add extra cells so i believe there's like an insert cell above or below but here's what you want to do if you really want to use Jupyter, go to the keyboard shortcuts and there's a lot of them, but start to look at like, you know, when you want to add a new cell, look at, look up what it is to add a new cell. And there's actually an A command to add a cell above the current one, or a B command to uh, add a cell below the current one. And so if you start using these keyboard shortcuts, it makes things a lot quicker because it's like, okay, you know, I had some Python code here. Now, if I press B, notice it just added a new cell below this one, and I can maybe say, you know, foo equals how about hello something like that so we'll set a variable equals that and then uh, I could say press B oh so this is interesting when it's green I'm in edit mode so whatever I press is you know gonna be editing this cell if I press escape then notice it turns blue and now I'm in command mode and then if I press B now I can add a new thing Uh, and here's the important thing to to realize that it's still that same single Python process so I can add an extra cell, but this cell can reference anything that the previous cells have done, uh, or anything that's actually changed the state of that Python process that's running. So like global variables or modules that have been imported, all of that stuff is still there. So you know other cells can use that. So if I print, you know, maybe the foo variable inside of here. So let's run these. Actually. Let's run this second one first and see what happens because I haven't actually run this one above here. So I haven't set this foo variable yet. So think what might happen here. And you can actually notice um, every time I run a cell, there's a number that's placed inside of these uh, brackets here. And I think that's telling you like the order that your cells have been run. And so it's just gonna keep increasing as I run things. Let's try to run this one. And a shortcut for that is shift and enter. So if I press that, then it tries to run the cell but uh uh-oh, I got a Python error here. Foo is not defined. So, you know, again, that makes sense because I tried to run this command, but it didn't know what this foo variable was set to because this cell above hasn't been run yet. But if I go to this cell and I press shift enter, I don't get any output because just assigning a variable in Python doesn't really give you any output. Uh, But notice, you know, this ran, I saw this change to three. And then if I go back down to this cell and I press shift enter, uh, then now we see, hey, print foo and we get the hello value uh, value inside of there so that's pretty cool i mean you can start to see and it's, it's really nice i love the interface of this how you know you're mixing your code and your results inside of here uh, you can start to see how, especially with like analyzing big data sets where you don't really know exactly what you're doing. You're really exploring something, you're prototyping, you're running something, seeing what the results are, maybe running some different commands based on those results. Uh, so you're building up this process and it's really cool how you can document that just by you know creating these cells, saving their outputs uh being able to see all this stuff now there are other types of cells so if you go up to this menu here so i have like this bottom cell down here selected uh it, right now it's a code cell but you can actually make it into a markdown cell where it will interpret the markdown kind of language where this is how you can like document things so markdown has a little bit of a, a syntax if you use uh, the uh, pound character here then this will make this line a heading like a large text so we can say you know uh, about hello world something like that oops let's spell it correctly uh, and then you know I could put like this is a paragraph of text or something like that and maybe uh, you know this is a list and this is a second item in the list something like that now if I hit shift enter see this converts this into markdown code uh, or well it actually renders this markdown so that's pretty cool so you know if I, I could actually like create an entire living document and there's actually a whole style of programming called literate programming um, that you may or may not have heard of where basically your program is documentation so like all of your comments are describing like your design decisions like, you describe how this function works, but you also describe, you know, here's why this function is here, and here's like the maybe the algorithm behind it, and why I've used this algorithm, and you know, all this interesting stuff, like, there are actually entire books that are written as literate programs where, you know, all of the comments become the text of the book, and then the source code is interleaved inside of there. So you can see how you can do that same type of thing here with this IPython notebook. Uh, so, you know, you're maybe you're analyzing some data and then you're like finding out some interesting stuff and then you're starting to save those conclusions as text in here. Uh, and so that's pretty cool. And again, so this notebook, like this thing is a, a file that exists. So you can save this, you can close it, you can open it. So I'll just say like close and halt. Uh, so this is gonna close this notebook and notice it's saved here as a JupyterTest.ipynb. Uh, and so basically this is a, uh, an IPython notebook file and it it remembers this state of what was last run, so if I click this thing and open it again, uh then we'll actually see once it loads up here uh that it's going to uh basically show you what was uh what was in the the notebook before so it's sh- it's showing me the output that we saw before uh basically you know here's the hello world lines and things like that. important distinction though it's not actually rerunning all those cells again so I actually, like it remembered the output and it saved the output inside of here. So it's not just rerunning these automatically, but I can go back and if I press shift enter, you know, hey, it's just gonna run this uh, line again. And you can go back and edit these things too. So if I wanna change this and delete that and then shift enter, so there you go. So that's the basics there. Um, Okay, so that's pretty cool. That's some basic stuff. Um, I'll also point folks at, if you want to learn a little bit more, go to this page that I'll put a link to from uh, down in the description. So this Introducing IPython, this is just from the official documentation, uh, and it's kind of funny that it uses IPython, because uh, I think they should actually say Jupiter, but I don't know, maybe, like I said, the naming is a little confusing because they're transitioning to Jupiter. But anyways, this Introducing page is actually really nice because it highlights some of the the high level commands that are actually really interesting and really powerful um, in Jupyter and aren't as immediately obvious because it's pretty obvious, like it's cool. This is really nice for running Python code, but there's more than just Python inside of here. So like they said, there's a concept of these magic commands where they start with a a percent sign. And I think if you just type magic and then if I shift enter this, yeah, so it tells me about these magic functions. Uh, and so there are a lot of these functions where it's not Python code. It's a function that's telling Jupiter, hey, you know, do something else. Like maybe I've got some, um, you know, some something outside of Python I want you to do. So they talk about like, you can do aliases of commands. Um, you can do all kinds of funny, funny, like interesting stuff inside here. You can like change, you know, how things are configured. Uh, but these are pretty powerful and there are a lot of magic commands. Um, I think they kind of mentioned a few, oh yeah, they mentioned like there's a quick reference in here that you can get to. Um, and then they yeah they talk a little bit more about these magic commands down here. Um, there are some good ones. So there's like a load command that can load a file on uh, the Raspberry Pi. So like let's try this load command. Um, so I can do load and um, actually I think I can do load question mark if this will give me help. Let's see what this does. Um, okay, good, that, that works. I wasn't sure that was gonna work. Uh, and let me just go, let's just see if this is actually, if I just do load, okay, good. So yeah, do. so if you put a question mark at the end, then that actually gives you the help and the usage info. And by the way, if you wanna delete a cell, um, select it in this command lo- mode and press D and then D again, the letter D, uh, so DD, uh, kinda like I think VI, so DD, that deletes the cell. Uh, but anyway, so load question mark, this tells you about the load command. So this can load a source file Uh, from somewhere, like that somewhere could be on your Raspberry Pi. I noticed though, it can actually access from a URL. So they give you some examples here. Like you can load, you know, if you have a Python script on your Pi, you can load it up in your notebook and start editing it right here. Or if there's like an example file from the internet, that's pretty cool. You can just put the URL directly inside of there. Uh, So that's cool. So like, let's try to load um, uh, maybe something on the, the home Pi. Uh, And I have this uh, Adafruit Python MCP 9808 folder already. And I actually, I just pressed tab. Notice it did that tab completion. So it's a very powerful editor. It's smart about knowing, okay, you know, you're looking at files. And so I'm going to do the tab completion based on that. Uh, so again, it's, everything is very smooth and very well polished and easy to use with this, which is cool. Uh, now I have an examples folder and then there's a simple test example inside of there. So if I run this, uh, then notice that it just actually loaded up and I'll close this little help uh, down here. Here's the contents of that file. So it just loaded this example file directly um, inside of here and I can go in and I can start editing this, you know, we can say like boo or something like that um, inside of here. And that's cool. And I can press shift enter and run this. I'm not gonna do that yet because I don't have the library installed. Uh, But again, so I just wanted to show you there are these magic commands. They can make your life a lot easier. Uh, Another command that's super useful and it's not technically a magic command, I don't think. But if you use an exclamation point, then it will interpret whatever you type here as a system command to run on the Raspberry Pi. So if I just run exclamation LS, then that's gonna run, I press shift enter to execute this this runs the ls command from the current directory that the notebook is running in. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I could actually do something like uh, maybe apt-get, uh, how about show package, uh, Python three or something like that. So, you know, I can run a, uh, oh, interesting. That's weird, why, uh, I don't know why that failed because that should work on the Pi. So uh, just out of curiosity, I'm gonna go back, let's connect, I'm connected to the Raspberry Pi right here uh let's do apt get show package python three huh oh oh, i must have i must be i'm blanking on what it is there's a uh, oh it's apt cache that you have to do uh i don't know why debian has the difference between this so okay so that's why this command isn't working here so if i do apt cache show package uh but this is maybe a good example because you can see so you know I, i ran this on the pi itself in an ssh session and you get this kind of output and then I just ran this in the uh, ipython shell right here and you can see you know I get this output now uh okay yeah here's how you scroll down through it so it's you know maybe not as pretty but this is pretty powerful so like let's say you're looking at a tutorial or something so like here's this mcp9808 sensor tutorial and you're looking at you know you got the hardware wired up for this you're all good there you go into the software for this and it's like oh man here's a bunch of commands I need to start running So, you know, you can just copy these out and start running these in your uh, IPython shell right here. So maybe how about let's delete this cell and maybe we'll delete this one too. And let's delete that one. We'll we'll keep this a little bit fresh and let's just put in some of these commands then. So, and again, so each of these I'll put on a separate line and I have to put this exclamation in front of these, Uh, but let's run this. So And this command, so this is one annoying thing because if any command asks for input from like standard input, it's not going to be able to send that input so the apt get command normally says you know yes no do you want to install these so i'm going to do the dash y option for install and that's just going to automatically answer yes for this now if i shift enter um, it's going it's kind of cool you're seeing kind of the in progress um, oh I, I guess i shouldn't have done that because now i'm running the update command which it takes a little while i guess it's pretty quick uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes uh, but so this is running all these commands and it's pretty cool i haven't seen this until now i, I think it, they must have done this only in recent versions but uh it's just streaming the output as it gets it uh very fast to your notebook here so that's pretty cool like in the past it would just spin and spin and spin and then you'd get this big blast of you know here's the results of the command that you ran and you can also notice too as this is running you get a little star right here instead of a number because it's kind of telling you like, okay, hey, this thing's still going. Uh, you know, don't don't stop it yet. Now you can stop this. There is, uh, under this kernel command, you can interrupt the kernel, which basically sends like a control C, uh, a cigarette interrupt signal, I believe. Uh, and that's that'll stop whatever process is running. And in fact, I'm gonna do that. So I'm just gonna do the SIG uh, interrupt because I've already installed this stuff for this package. But basically, um, you know, this, this is pretty powerful. So you can, follow along you know, with these guides and, and run commands and things directly from this, um, and it works pretty well. Now, there were a few gotchas because I, I tried to go through that scenario of, you know, let's install a package directly from uh, the, the Jupyter command prompt here, um, and it does work. I mean, uh, you know, like I probably want to, so I, I don't know, let, let's run the ls command. Let, let's try it. I'll, I'll show you what I ran into, some of the issues here. So uh, you know, here you can see I'm in my root directory. so. Let's change. Let's make a new directory called test, uh, and then let's change to the test directory. And now let's just ls to see the results. And so now, you know, I should see. There's probably no results. Um, oh, that's interesting. It didn't change my current working directory. Okay, maybe maybe this is not a good example to show because I I thought that I'd be able to change into that test directory. I, again, like I said, I'm not as familiar with uh, the commands here for this, so. Uh, but the, the root problem I was trying to get at and that I was going to try to demonstrate here is that um, because this Python process is running in the background, if I run commands that install a Python library, like if I'm following you know, this uh, guide here that says install this Python library, my Jupyter Notebook doesn't actually get that library installed until I restart it. And I believe that's just because it doesn't look at your system Python packages until it restarts again. Um, So it's a little weird and it's unintuitive and it tripped me up for a little while. You know, I installed something and then it's like I'm trying to use it and it's failing. Um, So what I think the easiest thing to do would be like, let's say I wanna start using this temperature sensor. Uh, Before I run my notebook, install the the library for this. So I'm actually gonna close this notebook. We'll say close and halt. Um, You know, we'll cancel out of this whole thing. Let it do its uh, finish up. Yep, okay, we'll leave this site. Um, and then uh, I'm actually gonna go back and so this is the terminal that's running IPython and I'll just press Ctrl C, this is how you stop it. So you press Ctrl C, it asks if you really wanna shut it down and yeah, I do. So that shuts down the kernel. Um, So now at this point, I want to go and install my library because now after I install my library and then I run IPython, it will pick up that that library is installed and everything works the way it should. Uh, If I didn't do this though, I'll, I'll mention kind of what error you can get when we get to that point. So, okay, so let's just go back to this guide. And again, I'll put a link in the description below if you want to check this out, but really any Python thing should work for this, um, you know, because this is just going to use the Python that's installed on the Raspberry Pi. So, okay, so for this library install, we need to... Uh, do this clone command and I've already actually cloned it on my Raspberry Pi. So I've got my um, the, the, the code in, inside of this directory here, uh, so I don't need to run this command. And it's really just this python setup.py install command. Now big gotcha though. Remember because our notebook runs using Python 3, I need to install this library with Python 3. And this Python command right here installs for Python 2 because Python in Raspbian means Python version 2.7, but I wanna use three. So what I need to change this command. So I need to run sudo Python 3 setup.py install. So notice the three at the end of uh, the Python here. So that's gonna say use Python 3 to install this library. Uh, So I'll do that and it's gonna go through and uh, it's just did a quick little install for this. Uh, okay so at this point now i should be okay so i'm going to go back to my root directory and let's go back and run that uh, jupyter notebook command and again remember use that ip equals zero 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 uh, so that you can access it Uh, i'll show you actually if i don't do this so i can run my notebook and we'll see what it does so it's going to start up now notice here it says it's running at localhost 88888 now if i go back here and if i try and access raspberry pi eight 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 then, uh-oh, it can't be reached. And that's because it's not listening on kind of all the network or all the public interfaces for this. So I'm just gonna hit Control C to stop this and then run it using the uh, IP equals zero, 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 0000 option for this. So a little thing, it's easy to miss this. And then suddenly it's like, why well, is not it working? Uh, okay, so that's so now it's running notice again, so zero, zero, 000. And now I should be able to hit this. So I go to that. And okay, cool. So let, And then let's open up our Jupyter test notebook again. So, okay, We're, takes it takes a second here to load it up. And then, uh, okay, cool. So now we can see, you know, here's all of our stuff and you can see all the outputs. So I'm just gonna delete some of these cells. I'll delete this one, delete this one. We don't need that, I'll delete that. Oh, let's just start fresh. We'll just delete everything. So just delete all the cells. Okay, cool. So let's say, so I've just installed my Python library for this. Um, let's get that example code again. And remember, you can use that load command. So and I'll show you in different ways. So the load command before I used loading the file from the Raspberry Pi, um, let's load it from GitHub itself. So from the web. So this is the Python code that, I'm, that I just installed. This is the GitHub repository for it. Here's the examples folder. And here's that simple test.py. And if I go to this raw link, then this actually has the raw contents of this file. And I can copy out this URL right here. And if I put this in as a parameter, so this is cool. Here's you know, just a web URL. And if I run this, look at that. It just downloaded the file and threw it into my notebook here. So that's nice. I like that a lot. That is super, super handy and cool that they did that. Um, and now, um, you know, look at this code, there's nothing I really need to modify. I've hooked this up exactly as the tutorial shows. Uh, and again, remember you got to enable I squared C on the Raspberry Pi. Let's hit shift enter. So, I mean, if just look at the code, like it's just going to go into a while loop and then just print out temperature sensor readings. So I'll hit shift enter and Hey, look at this. This is pretty cool. So it's just printing out here are the temperature readings. And if I hold my finger on the sensor, then you can actually see. So the temperature goes up as my finger kind of heats up the sensor. And then if I let go of it, you can see it'll start to fall down. And uh, I like this sensor a lot because it's, it's pretty fast to respond uh, to, to uh, changes in temperature. So that, that's kind of a nice thing. Now, the annoying thing is because this is a while loop, you know, and this program was really meant to be run at a terminal where you can press control C. Um, you know, if I press control C right here, it doesn't do anything. What you wanna do is you wanna go back to that kernel and run the interrupt command. And so that sends like a control C command basically to say, okay, stop running this. Uh, while loop. And you could change this, like I could maybe put a for loop in here. So like for I in range 10, if I just want to take like 10 readings. Uh, so if I run this, now it's just going to run 10 times and then stop. Uh, so that's probably how you want to think about your code here. You know, again, this is, you're going to be kind of exploring and trying something, getting some results. Uh, and you know, you're you're less likely to be like creating infinite loops because when you've got an infinite loop, you're probably like making some kind of a program that you wanna run forever. And, you know, IPython is not really the place that you wanna put that kind of stuff. Uh, but it, as you're developing that program, you know, that's a great place to like run some lines of code, see what happens, make sure you get the right code, and then put all that into like a main loop for your program. Uh, but okay, so you can see this just ran for 10 times. Uh, so this is pretty cool. Like we're, you know, we in just a few minutes here of running this, we were able to, get a really nice interactive Python shell. Uh, And you know, maybe if I wanted to be nice, um, I could say, let's uh, let's press A, we'll put a, a cell above here, and we'll put a markdown cell, and we'll say, let's give this a title. So we'll say this is like the MCP9808 sensor test. And we'll say this example uses the MCP9808 temp sensor to graph temperature readings. So again, you know, I can put nice documentation inside of here that describes what's happening. You know, Here's the example code for this. Uh, so, okay, cool. So the last thing I wanted to show, uh, I wanna show real quick how to graph stuff. And there's a great little page. I'll put a link in the description below. It's from the IPython documentation. This plotting page kind of mentions a little bit and they point to this plotting with Matlo- Matplotlib uh, notebook, which is right here, which I'll put a link in the description below too. You should definitely check this out. This just gives some basics of here's some code to use to use this matplotlib library. And it's important to remember matplotlib is separate from Jupyter. It is its own library. You don't have to use matplotlib, but Jupyter is built to integrate very easily with matplotlib. Matplotlib is kind of the default, like Python graphing library, but there are a lot of other ones that are uh, pretty nice and pretty fancy. Now, in order to use matplotlib, you do have to run this matplotlib magic command, which is a little weird, uh, but you know you just kind of have to roll with it. Uh, that's the convention they have. So I want to run this, and you just have to run this once. So I'll just throw it into a cell right here, and I think it's okay if it runs multiple times. Um, so it's you know it's not the end of the world. Uh, and then to use it, you really just have to import matplotlib, uh, like this line right here. They're also importing numpy because they're using numpy to generate some random data right here. Uh, or not really random, but they're using it to generate some data. We're not going to do that, so I don't need NumPy. So I'm just going to import this top line right here, this PyPlot part of the matplotlib module. So let's throw that into a cell right here, and we'll execute that. So, okay, so now I've got this, and now it's actually the the plot, the PLT command, well, PLT module that we imported. It has a plot command, and I can actually just give this two lists. I can give it a list for the x-axis, and a list for the y-axis so if I put like one two three four on the x-axis and then how about like 10 50 100 78 point I don't know 25 something like that for the y-axis now if I run this this is pretty cool so it just popped up a graph like in line uh, inside of here. This blew my mind, I remember, when I first started using these notebooks, because like I said, there's really not much like this kind of concept. There's certainly nothing like this in the physical world. You know, a graphing calculator is kind of like this, but it doesn't give you this cool history. And you know, it's not so much like, a fixed history. Like I can go back and edit this stuff and rerun it and change it. I can, you know I can evolve this. But really cool how it just dumps this uh, graph in line. And so, you know, maybe I've got commands above that generated some data. and you can see how the this graph the data. So you know along the uh, the x-axis here, you can see one, two, three, four, five, all those data points. Uh, And then on the y-axis here is the other uh, set of data here. So that's really the basics of graphing. Now it goes a lot more advanced. I'm not even gonna try to scratch the surface there. So definitely search around for Matplotlib and Jupyter and you'll see all kinds of cool stuff. Most things distributed because if you noticed this documentation for how to plot with Matplotlib might look a little familiar because this actually is an IPython notebook that they ran and turned into the documentation. So that's really cool when they're just using the tool to document itself, you know, that very powerful thing. and uh, speaks very highly of you know how, how well evolved the tool is that it can do stuff like this. Uh, but we're just gonna do the basics here. So let's go back and let's just grab some of our temp- temperature sensor readings, throw them into an array and then plot them. So real simple stuff. So I'm just gonna copy this code here and maybe we'll put it into a new block uh, that will start below here. And I'll just pull out some of the comments that I don't really need here. Uh, So we'll pull that out. And one annoying thing, uh, for some reason, uh, it seemed to pick up uh, the tab characters or it converted spaces into tabs, I believe, because I don't think this example uses tabs. Uh, but it got really confused so i just deleted the tabs and then just pressed tab again and it automatically inserted spaces so i don't know i think it's a weird quirk about how it imports uh some of the python code it could be a problem in my example but i'm pretty sure i fixed all those spaces and tabs anyways though okay so i need an array um and like i said before you know i just need to save this array of temperature data somewhere so let's just call temps equals empty array so i'll create an empty array uh, in, inside of here is every time this block is run, this cell, um, I'm gonna switch this back to a while loop, a, 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 uh, an infinite loop. So we'll say while true, you know, my assumption being that I'll run this for a little bit and then I'll interrupt that kernel to stop it. Maybe not the best way to do it, but it works. Um, and then I'll keep the code where it prints out the temperature reading, but let's just append to our temperature. So we'll say temps.append and let's just add the current temperature in Celsius to that. And so every second it'll take a new reading and put it in this temps um, uh, list right here. So we'll hit enter and you can see it's running and then I'll like hold my finger on here and the temperature goes up a little bit and then maybe I pull my finger off and the temperature falls back down. And then to stop this, you know, remember, I just wanna go up and do the interrupt command. So, okay, so that stopped. Now, if I go into a cell below this, you know, remember all of the states still exists. So this temps variable, it's a global variable. It, it still is there. So if I just type temps and hit enter, it's showing me here all of your temperature values that we recorded. So that's pretty cool. Now, if I wanna plot these, it's pretty easy. Uh, I just do plot dot plot and I don't even have to give it the X axis. It will just generate like one, two, three, four. So I'm just gonna throw that temps array directly into it. And hey, look at that! So it, you know, it figured out that like this is uh, data that's increasing um, over, you know, maybe it's time. It doesn't really know what this x-axis is. It's just throwing some increasing values there. But here's, you know, where I touched the sensor and it went up to like 25 degrees Celsius, 26 degrees almost, and then kind of fell back down um, after that. So really cool how, you know, again, like I mentioned, if you're just exploring something or learning about something, especially if you're learning Python and learning programming. This is a perfect environment to have, you know, you've got your guide open, maybe on one tab and then you've got your notebook open and you're going through this and you're saying, okay, I need to run this command. So I'm going to copy it out and put it into this, you know, uh, or I'm trying to run this example. So I'm going to copy out, you know, this bit of code right here and maybe throw this into a new block right here and start running it. So really cool. Uh, and it's neat in that you you get this history of the results that are saved inside of here. You can document it. you know if i'm if I'm really nice, uh, you know, I'll put a, a cell above here and uh, I'll convert this to markdown and I'll say like, you know, here is where I run the example from the guide, something like that. Uh, and so, so when you come back later to this, you're like, okay, what was I doing in this block of code? Oh yeah, I was smart and I told myself what I was doing inside of here. Because you, you could put comments in here. So this is Python code. I could say, you know, example from the guide Uh, But it's really nice how you've got this flexibility. If I wanted to format this, you know, Markdown is a lot more um, a richer kind of language. And in fact, like our guide system, it's not completely based on Markdown, but it's pretty similar. So, you know, you could almost like create a a guide inside of an IPython notebook. And if I remember, uh, Lady Ada was saying that IPython was kind of an inspiration for the learning system. Because if you look at our learning system, like we've got description and code all interleaved. Um, inside of it. And so that's a powerful thing. Uh, So, okay, so this is starting to run a little bit long. I think I'm going to wrap it up, uh, you know, keep this uh, pretty kind of short and easily digestible. But this is a quick look at IPython or Jupyter, uh, J-U-P-Y-T-E-R, the Jupyter project, which gives you a notebook to use code and documentation and really explore a subject, whether that subject is data analysis of you know, like web traffic across millions of servers. Um, or maybe that you know area is embedded hardware on a Raspberry Pi that you're trying to read sensor readings from or something like that. Um, you know, it's all Python code and it's, it's stuff that can go into a notebook and you can really use as a platform for learning and exploring. Uh, and I think, you know, especially for like teachers and classrooms, this is something that is well worth checking out because it gives you a very nice, more friendly environment you know, versus if I wasn't using IPython right here, you know, I'd have to be like creating scripts on the Raspberry Pi, you know, using maybe a a text console editor that's not very friendly or maybe a slow GUI editor running on the Pi that's, you know, not going to be as usable as something faster. Or maybe I'd have to be writing the code on my computer and copying it over to the Raspberry Pi, which is problematic and annoying uh, to do. So this is great, like you've got a web interface because you know, hey, it's 2016. Every the web is taking over everything. So, you know, this is feels like a more natural way to use programming and explore something. So that's Jupiter, and I just want to do this little quick look to, to kind of mention what it is, uh, give you some pointers to it. Again, look at the links in the description below. I'll point you towards some of the documentation um, so you can check it out and and see uh, uh, what makes it interesting. So, if folks, have questions? Throw them in the chat, and I'll see if I can get to them real quick. And we'll jump back to the main view. And hopefully this this main view is working. I noticed in the last few videos, it gets really stuttery right now, which is completely bizarre because it's telling me that I'm only at like 70% CPU usage. Usually when your video gets stuttery, you've got like something using your CPU. I think it's a bug in Wirecast, I don't know. Uh, There's a new version of Wirecast out though, so maybe it fixes it. So apologies if my face is all like acting like um, Max Headroom or something like that. It kind of looked like that. The audio at least is good, so. And it's only in this main shot And when I go back to the desktop shot, which has this as a smaller window, it's fine. There's never stuttering. So I don't know what it is. Blame uh, Telestream and the Wirecast creators for that. Anyways though, um, oh yeah, someone's mentioning that Jupiter looks like the source for the Swift Playgrounds idea. Yeah, exactly. So there are a lot of projects that I think have been inspired by Jupiter. So Swift Playground is a tool from Apple, I believe. Uh, that helps you learn the Swift programming language using that same concept of like, here's the code, here's the explanation, all interleaved together. You know, very powerful thing. Like I was mentioning, it goes back to that literate programming concept that I think Donald Knuth actually was a big proponent of. So it's, you know, it's not a new concept, but Jupiter has definitely done it very well uh, and everyone else is kind of following it. So, okay, so I think that's it. No more questions. So I'll wrap this up. Uh, So this is Tony from Adafruit. Uh, check out youtube.com slash adafruit. You can watch uh, this video and all kinds of other fun project videos there. Check out twitch.tv slash adafruit. That, that's where I like to stream live too. So if you wanna see this live, you can check that out. We do all kinds of live streams during the week. So there's like Desk of Lady Ada, Noah and Pedro have 3D hangouts and layer by layer. So tune in, check that out. I like to stream on Mondays. I'll do a quick look like this. And then on Fridays, I do a more in-depth stream. So this Friday I'll do part three on the Raspberry Pi cat laser project. So if you like cats, and you like raspberry pi projects check out youtube you can see the previous two uh videos and then this friday i'll stream a new one uh and then next week i won't actually have any of my regular streams because i'll actually be out in new york so i'll be at the uh the the mothership or the home base uh so i'm sure there could be some streaming and stuff going on from there so keep your eyes peeled uh and then uh end of next week there's the hope conference the hackers on planet earth so i'll be on at that one too uh and uh checking out you know what's going on there So anyways, though, uh, I'll wrap it up. So thanks a lot for watching. You know, like, comment, subscribe. If you find this information useful, then, you know, let us know. This kind of keeps us going and lets us know that people like this stuff and uh, we'll keep creating this kind of content. So thanks a lot. This is Tony from Adafruit. I'll see you guys later.